Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. talk about something I think is very important today. I want to talk about the kingdom ministry and uh, from the book of Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 1. Philippians 2 and 1. Praise God. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercy fulfill you my joy, that ye be like-minded, having same love, being of one accord, one mind, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on the things of others, but every man on the things, uh, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you. I want to talk to you about kingdom ministry, the why, the what, and the how. Kingdom ministry. Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord, today. We pray, God, that you would help us, Lord, teach in a way that will be a blessing, that would encourage and comfort, Lord, strengthen and challenge us today in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You Be seated. I think we, we, we want to tonight just ask some questions. I want you to ask some questions with me. And that is, what do you really want out of life? What, what do you really want out of life? The pursuit of things only gets you so far, but then there's something new that comes out that overtakes that. You remember when the 8-track tape was going to be the end all? Heard one, yes, indeed. Remember eight track tape? Oh man, that for you young folks, go Google it and get, you know, just didn't even have eight track tape. You know, big reel to reels and things of that nature. But what do you want out of life? You want a good life? Does anybody want a good life? I want a good life. Uh, I want a good family. I want to be a good family man. I'd like to have a little money. Be nice. Anybody like to have a little money? Amen. Praise God. I got a few more amens out of that. You know, want to have good kids and good grandkids. And uh, my my question boils down to this, and that is, why? What what what? What's our life when it boils down to that moment of why? Why am I here? What am I doing? Is it worth it? 
You know, it's good to ask questions every now and then, isn't it? Questions make us think. Questions causes us to seek for answers. Amen. Sometimes, though, we're not willing to go through the process to discover the answer. We want a quick answer. We're going to put it in the microwave, press a few buttons, and then out it comes. But I want to tell you that you and I are destined for purpose. We talked about the, the place of purpose uh, Sunday, but I just I, I want to talk to you about kingdom ministry tonight. You have a why. You have a purpose. Finding that sometimes can be a challenge. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11, it says, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance be predestinated. Everybody say predestinated. According to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be the praise to the praise of his glory who first trusted in us. You are predestinated according to purpose. I believe that, it's just my belief, you don't have to agree with me or not, we'll, 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 we'll just let you be wrong. But uh, it's, it's my belief that when, when a person is created, they're created with purpose inside of them. That God has already had that purpose in them. We talked about that with Jeremiah, how that he had purpose. God's predestinated to answer your why. He is predestinated to answer your why. There's a story that is told of a woman who was so depressed and so despondent about her life that she went down the road of the ultimate sad story, walked to a bridge, and decided to end her life by jumping into the river below. A man standing nearby witnessed the woman, jumped into the water after her. Immediately, this man sprang into action, but he forgot to think, I don't know how to swim. He ran to the bridge, jumped in, and, and, and he didn't know how to swim. The man was in trouble the moment he hit the water. Arms began to flailing and flapping about in desperation. Uh, he now himself was drowning. The depressed woman who had just jumped to kill herself is still alive and sees the man drowning and flailing. She swims over to him, rescues him, and pulls him to shore. This woman who was depressed, this woman who had nothing to live for, this woman that attempted to end her life found a reason to live in a matter of moments. When nothing else could save her, purpose saved her. She had something to do. She had a reason and a why. Amen. So the first question of why has to deal with your purpose. Why answers, uh, the question is answered by purpose. Let's talk about three key principles of purpose tonight. Three key principles to understanding purpose. First of all, purpose is not about me. Say that with me. Purpose is not about me. Colossians 1.16, For by him were all things created, that are in heaven, that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Every person on this earth was created for a purpose. 
In that person is a seed of purpose. It's interesting. I, uh, I heard a podcast of Brother, Brother Jonathan Vasquez. Pastor Vasquez was talking about he had studied where, where Cain killed Abel. And the Bible speaks about his blood cried from the, Abel's blood cried from the ground. He said in the Hebrew there, that word blood is plural, so it literally means bloods. And he said his thought was this, that it spoke about the generations that Abel was going to produce, died with him in that moment. I think about every aborted child, 4,000 a day in America, aborted children, that not only are they killed, but every child that they were destined to birth, every grandchild that they were destined to have, is gone. All things are created by Him and for Him. Mom and Dad, we have babies. They're created by Him and for Him. They're not for us. They're only loaned to us. They're loaned to us so that we can help raise them to understand their purpose. Amen. You were made by God and for God, and that's the foundation. It's not about me. It's about Him. Jesus said to the disciples, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Somebody say purpose. Follow me, and here's why. You want to know what your why is? Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. That's a purpose statement. Amen. So purpose is not about me. It's about Him. That's one key you have to understand in discovering your purpose. Another key is purpose is bigger than me. My why is bigger than me. That woman that was going to end her life all of a sudden found another cause bigger than her to live. As long as our purpose is just about us, it's just about who we are and what we are and what we have, we'll miss our why. Psalm 139, 14. I will praise thee, for I'm fearfully, wonderfully made. Somebody say amen. amen. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret. He's talking about conception and, and the period of, of being in the womb. I was made in secret and curiously Wrought in the lower parts of the earth, thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance was, were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. Then he says, how precious are thy thoughts unto me, O God, how great is the sum of of them. God has big plans for us that exceed just our world and our scope. If he thinks that much about us before we were ever born, then surely we need to understand that once we take a breath that there's something bigger out there than just making me happy, getting me a job, having money, having a family, having a car, going through the process. No, precious 
Lord, is your thoughts towards me? When I fail, precious is your thoughts toward me. Even when I don't get it, precious are, are your thoughts towards me. My, I want you to know that the, the purpose God has for you is bigger than you. It's bigger than you. Amen. Look around. There's somebody that's drowning that you can help save. There's a problem that is out there that you can help answer. Amen. It's bigger than me. The third thing is purpose is more important than my plans. And we read this scripture Sunday and and uh, but but look at it again Proverbs 19:21 There are many devices in the man's heart nevertheless the counsel of the Lord that shall stand He says that, that word counsel there is the purpose. We are designed not to wander aimlessly without meaning and focus. We were never designed to just simply get by, but we have a purpose by God. He told Jeremiah, I know the thoughts I have towards you. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the thoughts I have towards you. Amen. Saith the, thought, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give an unexpected end. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just stop here and say the reason a lot of people are not finding their purpose is because they're too busy sucking their thumb. Too busy complaining about their life and their woes. Too busy grumbling about how bad they have it. Amen. But I want to tell you today, when, when you realize how, how good we are and how blessed we are by God, that, that every morning we should wake up and say, thank God, I'm here for a reason. I deal with Arthur and Burr, Sidus. I deal with all these other Iduses, but I get up in the morning. Thank God, I've got a purpose. Praise God. Uh, purpose is one of those things that is the most important reality that you can get other than salvation. And salvation leads us to a purpose. Purpose answers the question of why. Why? Do you know your why today? Do you know? I know I've preached this and taught this before, but you, 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 I, want, I want you to hear it again. I want you to understand when it comes to kingdom ministry, there are three things that I've proposed toward us today, uh, to us tonight, and that is why, what, and how. They, are, they re represent three dynamic parts of life, and that is why, what, and how, and they are answered by these three words, purpose, leading, and serving. Say that with me, purpose, leading, and serving. Purpose is my why, leading is my what, and serving is my how. Purpose is my why, leading is my what, and serving is my how. From the beginning of creation, every, every person that was born, from Adam and Eve, they were born, they were created rather by, by having a purpose, by being a leader. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, did you know you're a leader? Did you know you're a leader? 
Amen. Who are leaders among us? Who can define what it means to be a leader? I, I, I love reading leadership books and I love studying leadership and I love teaching about leadership. Uh, uh, but some people equate a position or a title as being leader. Having a position, having a title does not a leader make. I can name a few. I've seen some bad leaders who had good positions. And I've seen some good leaders who had no position. One is dangerous. The other is a blessing. So having a position, having a title does not a leader make. The United States Army defined uh, leadership as this. Influencing people by, by providing purpose, direction, and motivation while operating to accomplish the mission and improving the order, organization. One man, uh, Mr. J. Robert Clinton said, A leader is one who influences a, a specific group of people to move in a God-given direction. Dr. Miles Moreau would say that, uh, has said that it took him 40 years of research to come up with his personal definition for leadership. And he said, leadership is the capacity to influence others through inspiration, motivated by passion, generated by vision, produced by conviction, ignited by purpose. Leadership, according to John Maxwell, who is a famous leadership teacher says this, leadership is influence. Leadership is influence. Amen. And so we understand that there's all kinds of definitions about what it means to be a leader, but God has called you to be a leader. You are a leader. Amen. I remember when, when, when we went on vacation some years ago and David was just about four years old and we were over in Virginia and at a place that had trails that you could go through and in the woods and we were walking down the trail and David ran on ahead and he went, went ahead of us and you've heard this story but let me say it again and David just marching, you know, four years old going after it and he, he turns around and he says, I'm the leader. Where are we going? <laughs> I identify with that still today. Let me just say, the first person that we're to lead is us. The first person I'm to lead is me. Me. If I cannot lead me into greater growth and greater maturity, then how can I expect to influence others into greater growth and greater maturity? If you didn't catch anything in this whole lesson tonight, please mark that. If I don't lead myself to get better, if I don't lead myself into maturity in God and in purpose and in life, then, then how, do, how can I influence others to do the same? But everybody's a leader. You're a leader somewhere because you're influencing somebody in your life. You're influencing your family. You may think, hey, ain't no, nobody listening to me. Oh, yeah, they are. You're influencing your family. And sometimes that influences on a, on a, 
a, a, a level lateral plane. Sometimes that influences moving up to someone that's maybe an authority uh, higher than you or someone that's lower than you, but you're influencing someone. You're, you're influencing your friends. Because if you're not influencing your friends, they are influencing you. Everybody in, is a leader by the way they influence others. You, you, you influence your church. You're a leader in this church. Remember, you don't have to have a position to be a leader. How you, how you conduct yourself, how you worship, your attendance, you're involved, that's all leadership. Some of the most influential people in this church don't necessarily have a position. But they're influence. They're influencers. And so the first thing we need to know is we need to be leading by influence on ourselves and then influence in our family, our friends, our church, our job, at the school. I'm influencing my neighbors. I'm influencing those that are around me, even my adversaries. You're influencing your adversaries. If you don't fight back, they post something about you. <laughs> you influence them by saying nothing. Can I just stop here and say this? If you don't have a relationship with somebody, you being friends with them on Facebook is not going to influence them. Just thank you, Pastor Dillon. Appreciate that. Purpose is my why. Leading is my what. And serving is my how. Let's look at our, our, our great example. Jesus led with, pers- with purpose. Jesus had a purpose, didn't he? Jesus had a purpose. That purpose was to do the will of the Father. Look at this. John 4 and 34. Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. It's interesting that all of Scripture points to Jesus and Jesus points to purpose. Okay? Jesus points to purpose. John 6 and 38. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. The will of him that sent me. Amen. But you, you, you know, people would say, well, there's a divided will here. No, this is heaven's will manifested on earth. Let me say that again. This is heaven's will manifested on earth. And what did Jesus say we were to pray? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. What is he saying? I want you to do this, have the same intent about purpose. God, whatever you say, that's what I'm going to say. Whatever you want me to do, that's what I'm going to do. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. You got to have the, the understanding of Jesus, and that is purpose. So Jesus had a vision. For that purpose, and he said it in Mark 10 and 45, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. And how did he minister? How did he minister? By giving his life a ransom for many. Giving his life a ransom for many. Jesus came with a vision 
And he cast that vision to accomplish the will of the Father. And that vision took him to the point of true ministry. True ministry. True ministry is about serving. Serving. We lead by serving. Luke 19 and 10, Jesus said, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus said, This is my clear mission. This is my purpose. And this is how I'm going to lead. There is no leader like Jesus today. Jesus is the greatest leader that ever walked on the face of the earth. He is also the greatest servant to ever walk the face of the earth. Jesus is our king, yes. Jesus is our savior, yes. Jesus is our deliverer, yes. Jesus is our Lord, yes. Amen. But he is indeed the greatest influencer of all times. Plato taught for 50 years. Aristotle taught his followers for 40 years. Socrates taught for 40 years. That is 130 years of combined influence. Yet Jesus taught for three years. And his influence has been more powerful than all of Aristotle, Socrates, and Plato's influence combined. Jesus never painted a picture, but master artists like Leonardo da Vinci and Michelangelo were so inspired by Jesus that they attribute their masterpieces to him. Jesus never wrote any poetry, but Dante and Milton's greatest works, they said, are inspired by Jesus. He never composed a song, yet Beethoven and Bach and Handel and others have, have said that it was Jesus that inspired them. Tonight we sang one of, one of uh, Brother Gother's songs, Amen. The Lord never wrote one song Amen. while he was here, but yet he has influenced more songwriting than any other person in the world. Well, Pastor, I'll never be like Jesus. Oh, yeah, you can. Yes, you can, because he asked us to. He said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? Let this attitude, let the way Jesus did things be like us. And that's why we've got to grow in leadership so we can be like Jesus. We can be like Jesus. Jesus is our great Example of serving. We need to follow suit. Jesus gives us a clear call for us to be servants. He's the one that picked up the towel and washed the feet when others would not. Uh, he knew, the Bible said, he knew that he came from the Father and he knew what his purpose was. And yet he still picked up the towel. There's not any of us that's too good to pick up a towel. There's not any of us that's too big not to pick up the towel of servant. Well, I've arrived. I want to tell you, I believe the, the world has got a paradigm that says leadership goes up to the head person like a triangle. The, the flow goes like this. Jesus turned the triangle upside down. And he said, you lead by serving others. You lead by serving others. This is the mind of Christ. Let us have the mind of Christ. Let us have the mentality of Christ. If you want to know your purpose, stop looking at how you can feel, fulfill your plan and say, oh God, I want yours. Let me be like you. 
This is the attitude that Jesus had. Continue looking into Philippians chapter 2. And you will find verse 5 says, Let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus. And there is, can you put that verse up, Philippians 2 and 5? Praise God. God bless Sister Kylie tonight. Thank you. Good to see her on the, can you do that? Praise the Lord. If you can just throw that up. I'm throwing you a curveball. Amen. I'll give you a minute. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. All right? This is where Jeopardy music begins to play. Da, 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 da. All right. You able to get it? Can you get it? Philippians 2 and 5. Go or no go? Go? Okay, it's coming. There, there it is. I wanted to, all this, all this time, this is what I'm looking for right here. What is that last two dots? It's a colon. All you English lit people, I hated English in school. I just just barely passed it, Sister Carrie. So I, I, you would think that the Lord calling somebody to, that, that English is his living would, would be a better English student. But uh, what does that mean? What does the colon mean? A continuation of thought. A connection of thought. One thought leads to, it's not a period, but it's a, okay. Then the next verse in Philippians 2 and 6 continues a thought. This is the attitude then. Okay? What is the attitude? Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. There it is again. The thought continues. Next verse. But made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And again, the thought, the attitude. This is the attitude. He is defining what that attitude looks like. You got that? Turn to the neighbor and ask them, do you got that? There is a desire within human beings. We desire this. We want this. We want to be recognized. We want to be seen. We want to be honored. We want people to know us and see us. Otherwise, there never would be one reality show. There wouldn't be one Facebook post, Instagram post, Twitter Whatever. And there's nothing wrong with that innate desire to be seen, to be known, to be recognized, to, be ma- to matter. Everybody wants to matter. Do you want to matter? Jesus gave us this, 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 this blueprint here. And there's nothing wrong with having ambition as long as it fits the right attitude. Jesus came with ambition. Jesus came with mission, but he also came with attitude. What is that attitude? He made himself no reputation. That means he emptied himself. The Greek word here, kinu, means to empty oneself, to divest oneself of position, to divest himself of position. Other translations read this verse. He emptied himself. He made himself nothing. 
Wilmoth says he stripped himself of his glory. He stripped himself of his glory. God could not empty himself of himself, could he? Could he? God couldn't just stop over here and say, I'm going to stop being God and go over here and be something else. He would cease being God. He could not empty himself of his deity. Neither could he cease to be who he was. For he is the everlasting, the everlasting. He is that which is, his, the Bible says, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. He's, he, just because he decided to, to empty himself, he was not emptying himself of his divinity, but he was emptying himself of the right to position. I thought we'd have three laps right then. Somebody shouting and praising God. The great leadership transformation reveals that Christ did not selfishly exploit his divinity in the mode of becoming a servant. He laid aside his glory to pick up that of a servant. That is the attitude of Christ. Go back to verse 6 again, Philippians 2 and 6. For It says, who being in the form of God, thought of not robber to be equal with God, but made of himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man. The word form, here's the Greek word morph, or morphe, refers to the outward display of an inward reality. It's where we get the the whole uh, uh, metamorphosis, that something is, is a metamorphosis, that, that a, a caterpillar goes into its cocoon and it becomes a butterfly. It has morphed into that butterfly. Morphe is, in this passage, does not refer to any changeable form, but to the specific form on which identity and status depend. The idea is not shape or appearance, but rather what is the likeness of man may apply. Morph refers to the outward display of an inward reality. It is the essential attribute of God shown in this form. It signifies to us that the utterance of what is on the inside, the very nature of God is to serve. Now, he can strike lightning if he wants to. He can create a whole new world if he wants to. But he said he took on the form of a man, the form of a servant, if you please. He set aside his legitimate desire of being glorified to be expressed amen as as a position of deity himself took on a bond service instead of worship he came to die instead of coming to be worshiped which they did worship him amen but nothing like that, 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 that the world would think that's the way you worship he came in a manger he was born in a stable hmm 
It was the Lord of glory at Passover feast that showed us how he laid aside his outer garment and he took up the towel. This is a beautiful picture of the form that God said, I make the decision. I don't have to depend upon my position and my deity to serve. So you want to know how you can serve? You don't have to be God to serve. You just have to be Christ-like. That's the mind of Christ. That is kingdom ministry. All leaders, every person at some point in time runs into their ego. Amen? And, and daily we have to, have to deal with this attitude. Do I need notoriety? Do I need fame? Do I need position? All leaders have to ask. Do I have to be recognized? Do I have to have a title to feel valued? Or can I follow my Lord and say, I will serve? I will serve. Nobody has to pat me on the back. Nobody has to tell me what, what a great job I'm doing. Though we like that, don't we? Yes, that's human nature. And Jesus felt that. But he chose not to let that be the driving force. But he served. Jesus could still display his deity, and he did. But he, I could have, what did he say? I could have called, how many angels? I could have called 12 legion angels. They're standing ready for my beck and call. All he would have had to do is do this on the cross. That's all he had to do. Amen. Uh, that's pretty powerful. That's real powerful. Pilate would have been ground to powder. Caiaphas would have been... To, 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 Jesus could have spoke the word, and he would have went into dust. Because the same Lord that did that to Lot's wife could do it again. But he chose not to. Even when they mistreated him. Man, this is some shouting preaching right now. Even when, even when they, they spat on him, even when they plucked his beard, even when they mistreated him, he had this focus, I know why I'm here. You know why he was here? Because there's going to be a, a little, little blonde-haired, blue-eyed boy. Yeah, that used to be. It turned brown, but it used to be blonde and Used to have, y'all quit it. But he saw me and he saw you and he said, I have a greater why than he suffered. We're getting ready to celebrate the resurrection. He suffered because that was his purpose, that was his why. And how he did it was about his serving. And he led. L let's talk about this a little further about Jesus leading and serving in Mark chapter 10, if you would, let's go there. Mark chapter 10 and verse 42. Man, that insulation is working real good. Can you say amen? Uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 42. But Jesus called them to him and saith unto, unto them, talking to his disciples, You know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise Lordship over them. What is he doing? He's showing them 
this is the model of the world. This is the way the world leads. Exercise lordship over them. And their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you. Remember the triangle? The world is, is, is going up to the, the big dog at the top. Our Lord inverted that. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister, servant. Everybody say servant. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man come not to be ministered unto, but to minister and here give his life a ransom for many. Do you know where you go to find the true model of leadership and serving the cross? The cross is the true paradigm for leadership, for ministry, for serving. Servant leadership starts at the cross. And Jesus is the ultimate model for this. This is where he changed from form to form. Amen. This is the attitude of Christ. To some, service means and ministry means advancing their agenda. They serve others to get something in return. Jesus didn't do that. He didn't do that. Hallelujah. But it's up to me to make sure that he does get something in return. It's my worship, my praise, my thanksgiving. Give God praise for what he did for your life. Amen. Give, give him praise for going to the cross for you. Hallelujah. But what he's teaching us is that the model of the world, everybody strives to finish first. Servants are not concerned with finishing first, but rather they are consumed with giving God glory and serving others. Servants are not uh, consumed with preeminence and prominence and power and prestige, but rather serving others. Those who are obsessed with finishing first, amen, have to be right all the time. It's their way or the highway. Amen. Anybody ever had to work under a boss like that? Yay, praise God. This, this, anybody, I, I will stop there because I'm not going to go any further besides boss. Yeah, all right? I believe today that, that leaders are to inspire, and Jesus is the great example. If you go back to the beginning of that Philippians chapter 2 where it says, have the attitude of Christ, he sets it up with these verses. I, don't want, to, I want you to go back to Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 1. Philippians 2 and 1. If there be any consolation in Christ, if there be any encouragement in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercy, that's not a southern Indiana phrase right there. Fulfill ye my joy that 
ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. That phrase is a beautiful definition of humility. It's not that you, you, you when you're humble, you, it's not that you gravel and you look and say, I got to put myself down. It's about esteeming other people and lifting them up. Lift up someone else. That's what humility looks like. It's when you look at the. If you find a ball player that is really held in high acclaim in the NBA, here's one common thread that they will say. They made others around them better. I believe that true leaders, true, true kingdom ministry is about making others around us better. Make them better. Praise God. Sometimes that might come across as being harsh or sometimes that might be come across as, 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 as some discipline. But really, if the goal is to be better, we want to be better. We want to be a true leader in the kingdom of God. Let each esteem better, uh, other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. True ministry, true leadership, true how is servanthood. Amen. Why is purpose? What is leadership? And how is serving? Serving. No role of ministry in the church, no position, no job, no task or calling could be effective, truly effective, unless there is first this understanding of the why, the what, and the how of ministry. Proper understanding of, of servant leadership is broken down in these verses that we read, Philippians 2, 1 through 4. I want to give you, I want to give you eight examples of what it means to be a servant leader from this passage of Scripture. Number one, servant leaders express encouragement. Encouragement. I believe that the world is in need of somebody that's going to be a servant leader and just encourage people. Encourage people. Encourage them. Say, it's not just flattery. It's not just saying, it's, it's encouraging. Come on, I, I believe you can do that. I believe that you can. I believe you can grow. I believe you'll know. I believe you're going to grow into something great in God. Amen. Uh, having words of encouragement. Uh, what a great ministry. What a great ministry. Hallelujah. That to have a consolation in Christ means that true leadership expresses encouragement. Number two, true leadership has genuine empathy. If any bows and mercy, that means something that, that tugs at your heartstring. We're so quick to want to be judgy and want to be casting our eyes down on others, but truly what servant leaders feel is that I want to feel what you're going through. I want to feel, I want to sense what you're going through so that I can, I can serve you to the best of my ability. Amen. I want to tell you that, that as a pastor sometimes, the worst thing I can do is read your face. Makes for some great preaching material. 
But I need to know as, as a servant what you're going through. And not only know it, but feel it. Do you feel it? When others in your life, in your church, in your family are going through it, do you feel it? Can you feel it? Can you have empathy? That's what a servant must have. The third thing is a servant maintains unity. Be like-minded, having the same love one for another. Have the same love, have the same. Do you know that Paul stressed it more than once that unity in the body was more important than getting along with the world? Unity in the body is more important. That's why there's some stuff we put up with in our family because we're family. Praise God. Anybody go? Anybody in your household irritate you at times? Don't raise your hand. Don't, don't. Here it is. Man, I could jump off in a deep hole here and I don't want to do that. But the most important thing in, in the body of Christ, Paul said, endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit. Let's keep the unity. doesn't mean, and we've talked about peacekeepers and peacemakers, you understand that. But a true servant leader values unity. Values unity over being the one that has the upper hand. All right? Number four. Servants understand purpose, being of one accord and of one mind. See the big picture. See the big picture. See that it's bigger and beyond what we are and what we do. Amen. Those that, that, those that sing and lead our worship, it, 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 they see a bigger picture. It's not about, I'm telling you, we've got one of the best drummers in all of Pentecost right over here. I'm telling you, we do. And, and he never does it to shine. There's no solo. I know he does some stuff like that, but that's piddly compared to what I know he could do. I, you know, hear Brother Matt playing the bass and it's keeping that rhythm going. Brother Cole keeping that rhythm going. There's no falling downstairs licks. You know? What is it? is that the greater goal is not that one outshines another. It's about leading us into the throne room because there's only one star here. Right? Amen. That's got to be the attitude that we have when it comes to kingdom ministry. Kingdom ministry. Understand that there's a big picture here. The big picture. Servants number five are not politically motivated. Servants are not, say it with me, politically motivated. Paul put it like this, let nothing be done through strife. You know what strife means? Party making. Independent, Democrat, Libertarian, that's kind of the, the spectrum of our, our political system. Well, Paul said... We don't have place for that in the kingdom of God. No place for party making. No place of, you know, being like years ago, I heard about a church in Illinois that they actually draw, painted a line down the center of the church aisle because this side was the Hatfields and this side was the McCoys and they weren't going to get along. 
And they lived, some were over here and some were over there. My Lord, what powerful services they must have had. Servants are not politically motivated. Number six, let nothing be done through vain glory. This is a, this is a big one. Servants are not conceited but humble. Servants have got to be humble. Amen. Humble. Let nothing. Everybody say, let nothing be done through vain glory. Amen. No stars other than him. And that follows up with the next one. Servants are humble. In loneliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. And I already talked about that. And that gives us, gets us to number eight. Servants work well with others. Servants look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. John Maxwell says, quote, foundation of leadership is relationship. People will not go along with you if they cannot get along with you, unquote. Jesus said it like this, if any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servants be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Did you hear that? Him will my father honor. The greatest acclaimed. Praise God. And I just had one paragraph. The greatest acclaim you and I will ever have as leaders and ministers in the kingdom of God. And every one of us are ministers. What is a minister? A leader who serves. But the greatest acclaim that we have is that we've given honor to the Father. Given honor to Him. Hallelujah. When you see someone that does a great job doing something in the kingdom, the Lord gets the glory for that. The Lord gets the glory. Would you stand with me, please? Purpose is your why. Leading is your what. And serving is your how. I want to serve you, Lord. Servanthood is the only leadership model that expresses God's concept and his attitude. If I have the mind of Christ, I will have the heart of the Father. If I have the mind of Christ, if I take on that form of a servant, it was, it was a choice that you make. It's a choice that you make. I said it's a choice that we make to serve the Lord, to, to, to offer our gifts, to offer up our hearts I will serve you, Lord, with all that I have. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. I don't, I don't want anything else other than for you to know today, I need you. I need you. I want, I want you to know how much I love working in this church, how blessed I feel, how honored I am to serve my gift at MPC. Amen. Inching up towards 20 years. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. And as I said Sunday, the three other places the Lord sent were three universities, 
that I needed to go through. Amen. But I'm thankful for the Lord and his power and blessings. I want to do the will of the Father. Do you want to do the Father's will? Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorchurch.com to learn more about our ministry.